I've just kind of seen a few things too many times to just kind of like put that pressure on me when I'm outside of work. I don't want, I don't need that stress. I've already kind of like put it out now. I know some people can't really handle it as much as others and they end up not staying as long as they can, but that's not their fault. But I've kind of learned to deal with it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's not the answer you're looking for because there's not a, a thing I do to deal with it. It's just I've dealt with it. Hello. Welcome to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Welcome back to any of our returning listeners. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Before we get into today's guest, I wanted just to share a little bit. We're in season three now, as we've mentioned before, which is extremely exciting that we're moving on to our, you know, we're in the teens of recording people, which is super exciting. We started as this tiny little seedling of an idea, and now we're into you know, the teens of these podcast recordings. And I hope we're finally getting the groove of that. So thank you to our dedicated listeners. Thank you to those of you who have shared this with your mom, your dad, your neighbor, your friends, your dog, your vet, whoever wants to listen. Um, Again, I'll say it, shameless plug, please follow us on social media at ivebeenbetter.pod. Please rate, review, subscribe. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Google, all of those fun things. So today. I have my really good friend who we were just talking before we started recording about how we met, and we're both trying to figure that out, but welcome, Andre Fanto. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. You know, we were sitting here trying to hash out, we've been friends for what feels like 10 years at this point, but we cannot remember how we met. No, we can't. It was either at someone's house party or at the pool. Yeah. And so in college, for sure, we both went to NC State. And we both have handfuls of friends that have been on this podcast that we share. So we have mutual friends there. But we can't can't remember what exact moment it was. But the pool sounds very likely to me. Very. Yeah, one of those college pool parties in the summer. Yeah, I mean, some of your past uh, people who were on the show definitely introduced us there at yeah. the pool or at the house parties. Or at the house parties. Yeah, we've all been intermingling. And then gradually over time, we've become closer individual friends. We lived in the same apartment complex for a little while. That was a really fun time. A previous guest, Katie, and another previous guest, Tori. We all lived in the same apartment complex after college, and that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. But now we're adults with big people jobs. So to share a little bit about Andre for everyone. So Andre, as I mentioned, went to NC State, but he also now, as you know, finding his career and what he wanted to do in life, uh, sells flowers by day. So he makes all of our beautiful flower arrangements whenever we need them. And he's a fireman by night. He just bought a house. He's engaged. He's becoming what he likes to say, quote unquote, successful and making life fulfilling and stress-free. How's the wedding planning going? Oh, that's uh, that's easy because I'm not doing anything. (laughs) I'm in charge of the koozies. There you go. That's an easy one. And some (laughs) music, it sounds like. Yeah, the first dance I'm working on. There you go. I've been persuading her. Uh, apparently thriller is not an option. <laughs> Karen shut that down real fast. Very. And this is a good Karen. You know, we hear about the term Karen in this society, but most of us in this friend group have said that heaven forbid, if y'all break up, we're taking Karen in the divorce. That's fair. Yeah. We're going we're <laughs> to take Karen. You can take the dog. And that's how that will happen. <laughs> She'll take the dog She'll too. take Zeppelin too. Okay, great. <laughs> so you can go and we'll just take them. All right. Too funny. 
So, you know, Dre, you have worked at the flower shop for some time too, right? Yeah, about seven or eight years. Yeah, that's amazing. If anyone's familiar with Fallon's Flowers in the Triangle area, they're a great flower shop, so check them out. We love them. They've given us flowers for so many events and memorials or things that have happened in our lives, so they've really come in handy. And then having Dre work for them has really come in handy. Come get your flowers. Yes, yes, get your flowers. And so, Dre, you also play guitar. Do. Yes, a lot of video games. Plenty. Yes, what's your favorite <laughs> video game right now? Oh, I've been rocking Apex Legends for a while now. <laughs> so if anyone's on there, hit me up. Hit you up. Fanto. Woodcrafting, tell me about this. Oh, just a little hobbies. I mean, nothing too crazy. Yeah. I wouldn't say like woodcrafting as in I make like craft bears out of a, a log. <laughs> More like putting benches and tables and putting yeah. up stuff around the house. Yeah. Y'all, y'all's house is amazing. It's beautiful. Mm. It's very picturesque, I feel like. And then, you know, you also are like the grill, the grill master now, right? I try to be. Yeah. We've been having cookouts that were COVID friendly during COVID. And then now when all of us feel safe and those of us that are vaccinated and everything else, you know, we all get to hang out in the backyard. That's what I like to do. I like to have everyone over and cook for me also. Yeah. I mean, as long as I get my friends out there and have a good time, I mean, couldn't ask for anything more. Yeah. Well, Dre Master Fanto is now Master Grill Fanto. That's how that goes. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. Tell the audience a little bit more about yourself. Uh, I mean, so I've been engaged for uh, almost a year now. Um, Karen and I have been dating for a while. And we're looking forward to the wedding in September. Woo. Looking forward more to the uh, honeymoon in Hawaii. That <laughs> That's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than that, I mean, working and planning for this wedding is all of my life. It's, been it's this all year. your life right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what'd you major in in college? Communication. Do you feel like that comes in handy now with your work? No. No. <laughs> Anyone who's attending NC State, avoid getting a communication degree because it'll get you nowhere. There you go. You heard it here <laughs> first, y'all. Yeah, so Dre, you became a firefighter in 2017? Yes. Oh my gosh, it's been four years. Yeah, yes. A little more. Yeah, February 2017. That's crazy. How's it been? Uh, it's been fun. It's been, it's been, uh, it's been different. I mean, you have good times, you have bad times for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can remember going to your, do they call it a graduation? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember going to the graduation in like September or something. Yeah. So we graduated the academy at, uh, yeah, the end of September. Yeah. And that's when we got put into the, put in, uh, put in with the bulls. So. Yes. You literally got thrown to the wolves, into the fire. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I don't know if you remember saying this or maybe I'm misquoting you or bringing this up, but I can remember when you went to school, you finished the academy and after the graduation and either before or after, but you saying something like, I finally feel like I found what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. I mean, I got thrown in, I didn't get thrown into it. So uh, a few back to the flower shop, the delivery drivers out there, half of them are firefighters. Oh, no way. And they do that as a part-time gig. So I, I honestly, a lot of these people who are in the fire department, like they knew they wanted to be firefighters when they were kids. I didn't know I wanted to be a firefighter until working at that flower shop. And these guys are telling me how amazing it was to be there. So I mean, I started looking it up and I was lucky to get through the application process, which uh, they selected 40 people out of 900. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I remember that. And us just being not astonished because we didn't think you were capable of that, but because of how low the numbers are of what they select. Yeah. So, I mean, they can only hire a few, they could, they would hire a lot more, but they had a, 
It's financial stuff. Well, I'll say it's money related, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they can't pay for 400 people. Right. Yeah. Which I'm sure hearing this now, maybe from your perspective, may change some people's views on what our money goes towards because, you know, our taxes and other things in certain communities pay for certain types of firefighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does your dad do for work? Uh, he works at Siemens. Yeah, he, uh, he does commercial HVAC systems. Okay. Did you ever feel like you were going to do any of that, or was that an absolute no? Uh, well, he he was in the military for the That's twenty right. years, so from nineteen eighty to two thousand, he served in the Air Force. Oh, hey, my dad was in the Air Force too. Awesome. Pre your dad, though, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I've considered the military plenty of times. I've reached out to recruiters plenty of times, but I just couldn't. Uh, follow through with it yeah there's just i just couldn't do it. i don't know why well it just sounds like it wasn't for you yeah i mean the military is a huge commitment mm-hmm. right people go with to pay for school or they go because there's a exact career path it's very structured right and so i can see why people do it and it's not for everybody no no and you really like raleigh i do i i couldn't imagine living in japan or like somewhere away from my friends and families yeah for extended periods of time Mm -hmm. yeah well that's amazing you found a different way to serve your community that's much more local Very. (laughs) yes so you enjoy working for the fire department i do yes that's awesome being a firefighter love that well talk to me a little bit dre you know i this podcast has been in the works as i mentioned at the start of this episode about you know wanting to talk to my friends and have all these amazing people in my life with these amazing stories and so i said dre Hey, and well, actually, let me take that back. Dre looked at me at a cookout and said, yo, when am I going to be on your podcast? (laughs) I was like, okay, great. You want to be on the podcast? Awesome. So he sent the form. And what has come up for you, Dre, when I was saying, hey, like, talk to me about a time when you've been better. Because we've been through quite a few events in each other's lives at this point. And so I can imagine there was a handful. But what stood out for you? Uh, So um, whenever you ask me the question of, of when someone asked me when I've been better, uh, like a, f- a few different things came up. So uh, first of all, uh, being a firefighter isn't all about going into fires and putting out fires and uh, doing all that. So so being a firefighter isn't all about just going into fires and putting them out. We're also on um, EMTs. So anything uh, medically that has been going on, we'll go to that as well. Whether it goes to like you have a little bit of chest pain, you need... Apparently, what's pretty common lately is lift assist, you know, need mm. help getting from a bed to wheelchair. I mean, mm-hmm. we're here to serve the community. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what goes into being first responders in the role of firefighter. Uh, so we will get dispatched with um, EMTs. There's uh, different levels of uh, dispatches that you'd go to. So just think of them like level one through five. We'll go like to two through five. So like EMS will only respond to level ones and they'll respond to everything else besides that. Okay, so like EMS is one through five. So, for example, those of us who used to work at the gym or anyone who's had a job where you have to call 911 potentially for your job, when we would call 911 for a patron that was having a seizure, the firefighters would respond because they were closer. Correct. So, uh, there's a lot more firefighters than our EMS units. Okay. So, that's why we're kind of scattered throughout the city. So, um, anytime a call comes through, uh, the fire department can usually get there uh, before the EMS can, and we can start doing base, uh, basic patient care. That makes sense. Yeah. So like that basic life skills of assessing for safety or getting their like breathing regulated or whatever it is. So then when EMS does show up, they yeah. can take over. They can do a lot more things than we can. Okay. So. Yeah. Because I think EMS trucks usually have, there's like a paramedic on a 
yeah, yeah that's every, true, right? as far as I know, every uh, ambulance has a paramedic on it. Um, yeah, we're all just EMT basics. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So you go to a wide variety of calls. Now, again, y'all, depending on where you live, we live in more of a middle level city, you know, right? We're not Charlotte. We're not Chicago. We're not New York City, but we've got a city vibe in this area here. And then there are hopefully listeners that don't live in those areas, maybe more rural, don't have as much access. But for us, there's fire stations almost every couple miles. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, Raleigh is the second largest uh, fire department in North Carolina. No I way. I think Charlotte's number one. Or I know Charlotte's number one. I think. I'm pretty sure Raleigh's too. That's amazing. Mm. Are we growing? Are we getting more? Oh, we're growing every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I didn't look at the numbers, but um, I mean, there's a statistic out there that shows like we're getting like hundreds of people every day. Yeah. So Raleigh is in almost every news article lately about best places to live or the triangle, right? So the suburbs of Raleigh, Cary, Holly Springs, Fuquay, any of those areas are some of the best places to live right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then circling back to what you were saying earlier about... uh the application process and the amount of people. I mean, right now we're still, we're working on getting more people. We're running two academies as we speak. Wow. Uh, so they'll, uh, I think they're going to be working on getting more people throughout the years and then adding more stations. Cause I mean, we're at 28 stations right now. Wow. No, technically we have up to 29 stations, but there's no 13th station. So 28 ah, stations. Bad luck. Uh, I guess so. What's the folklore in that? Do you know? As far as I know, I guess 13 is an unlucky number. Well, that buildings don't have a floor 13 typically, right? That's what I heard. That's so funny. No, some of them don't. Some witchcraft going on in there. <laughs> what was being in the academy like? Oh, that was tough. So um, I didn't want to go in the military, but I learned going into the academy was almost like basic training. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, we were in class every day. And if, uh, let's say you missed a question wrong, you might you might be on the on the pad outside doing push-ups. You know? No way. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was intense. It was, very, so it was physically driven. It was very physical, very mental. Yeah. And then you, you can tell me if you are like, please don't say this out loud, but I'm going to say anyway, you smoke cigarettes. Uh, yeah. During the academy, I did. Yeah. Yeah. That was. That, that was, probably made it <laughs> 10 times rougher. Uh, no, no, nope, not me. I needed those. <laughs> during my lunch. And after, after the academy, I'd, I'd puff one up. That's how you dealt with it. Yeah, but yeah. I don't smoke anymore. Yay. Yeah. Good on you. We're glad to hear that. Yeah. It took a little while, but I can imagine that that is extremely stressful. You just mentioned that it was not only physically demanding, it was mentally demanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People who smoke, they just, uh, even after a hard workout, you still need a puff. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine people can relate to that. You know, I've never smoked a cigarette a day in my life. Okay. So I cannot relate to that, but I'm sure many people can. <laughs> All right. So Academy was tough. And then you graduated in September of 2017. And then you started working. Was there a huge transition from academy to being in an actual station? Yes. So, I mean, we were working with 40 people every day. Um, I mean, I don't even know if you call that work and just learning. And um, we never dealt with any anybody out in the wild. Mm. So going to a station on my first day, we were running EMS calls. I'm trying to learn it or trying to remember everything I learned in the academy. It's like, what do I say to this patient? <laughs> You know, it's like, am I doing everything good? I mean, you have your supervisors looking over you, making sure you are. But it was definitely a a big transition. Yeah. Did you have a mentor? Um, Not not really. Okay. So there wasn't one person that you went to, but you had your supervisors. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to the largest station in Raleigh when I got out the academy. And you're just there with uh, like 12, 13 other guys. And 
for the most part, they're looking after you. And then the other times, they're just giving you a real hard time. <laughs> it's a little bit like a frat house. Pretty much. Yes, yeah. a co-ed frat house. Yeah they, yeah. they like to call it brotherhood. Love that. And there are female firefighters there for are. sure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I had two in my academy. That's great. And I can imagine there's even more coming out now. Yeah, I think there's a, I know there's at least one in this new academy. I don't know, though. Yeah. I'm sure that's really fun for them to be a part of this brotherhood of the frat yeah. house. These these girls love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it sounds like a family. I mean, mm. You spend a lot of time at a firehouse. Yeah. yeah. You have anything to dish out over the dinner table. Yep. Love that. Do you feel supported by these people? Well, actually, you know what? We're going to table that question because I have a thing. We're going to talk about it based on what we're going to talk about in a minute. All right. All right. We're going to table that. At the top of this, you mentioned that when I asked you about a time where you've been better, you started talking about how firefighters are not just fighting fire. Right. So uh, we go on a lot of medical calls. We um, So most of the time, I mean, if you're having a good day, I mean, a lot of these patients are just having a little bit of medical issues, something very treatable. And then, or a kid got their head stuck in a stairwell, <laughs> you know. I haven't gotten to those yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lady in a pool lift, though. That was that was fun. Oh, I bet that's hard. Yeah. But uh, she was in good spirits. She was like, I just need help out of this chair. The battery just died. Oh, <laughs> my. Can you imagine like being self-sufficient and having it all sorted out and then being like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> now I got to call 911 to get help for this. Yeah. But uh, she was she was funny. She, she was cracking jokes. So it was a good time. That's good. But unfortunately, they're always not that fun. Yeah. Um, I guess the reason I'm here, a time that I've been better when someone asked me that question. Um. There was a call. I haven't been out the academy long, maybe like half a year or something. Uh, we get a EM. Um, uh, there was a there's a vehicle accident on forty. There was it a called an MVC or yeah, something. It was an MVC. Yeah, um, and, motor uh, vehicle collision. collision. Yeah, look um, at us. We got the <laughs> lingo down. So you got MVCs, then you have MVC pinnings, and uh, the pinning is when someone's kind of stuck in the vehicle because of the collision, whether it been an intrusion on the side, the front, you know, top, back, whatever. Uh, so they came in as an MVC and then, uh, got upgraded to a pin in. So trigger warning, we're about to talk about motor vehicle accidents and people being stuck in cars. Yes. Um, so we get dispatched, we go, um, as a pin in, I'm on the ladder truck this day and, uh, ladder trucks, they have the equipment, um, like the jaws of life. Ah. So I, again, I'm very new to this. This is the first time I've ever, I'm ever going to have to use that equipment. Uh, so I'm getting my mind right because that's what you do on the way to college. You're like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what we need. So we get there and there's, uh, like four cars piled up and, um, everyone, there's this lady with a broken arm. She's like, I'm good. Help that guy. Wow. And, uh, Can you imagine saying that? Like I'm injured, but that person's more injured than yeah. me. I mean, that's kind of how you, uh, triage people. Mm-hmm. She did it for us. <laughs> Thanks um, lady. Uh, we get there. One engine's already on scene. Luckily, he was a uh, he was a technical. He's a certified technical rescue um, firefighter, so he knew he knows what he was doing. Yeah, he just needed our equipment. Okay. So well, did he come from another station? Yeah. So okay. uh, they kind of backfill stations, like so if uh, so if they're shore somewhere and they have too many people over here, they'll kind of fill them in when okay. they need them. So he was at that station that day. Um. But anyway, so we get all of our equipment out. Everything is running smooth because we went over that stuff that morning, like had wow. to get everything going. So it was like we just did this. So everything we did was clean. Um, and we just get to work. And uh, so 
they're trying to they're stabilizing the car. Uh, I let some of the more experienced guys take over uh, the the cutting of the vehicles to get this guy out, and I took over patient care. And this guy's just kind of passed out um, over like just hanging on the side of the like on. He was driving, and he was just kind of like laying over into the passenger side. And uh, I mean, there's some faces that you'll never forget, and that this was one. Every time I see a guy with red head and red beard, think of that guy. Oh. And um, I was just trying to clear some of the class from his nose so I could put a mask on oh. and give him oxygen. And uh, let's see. So we just, uh, they're getting to work. The paramedics get there. I'm still just pumped. I'm just using a bag, a bag valve mask, just pumping oxygen into him. And uh, I mean, I guess long, I'm not going to be the whole spill, but long story short, Paramedics are like, hey, this guy um, doesn't have a pulse anymore. Um, we're going to call it. I was like, everything I learned in the academy, I was like, man, can we just like get him out and start doing CPR or something? You're like, wait, we haven't even gotten him out of the car. <laughs> like, why are we calling him dead? Yeah. I mean, when they taught us in the academy, it's like most of the time is life over limb. So pull him out while he's got a broken leg or no leg. I mean, just that's what I wasn't thinking the entire time. The paramedics like, no, we're not doing that. I was like fuck yeah yeah so this is like the first traumatic death i've ever seen and i i kind of just like this is on the side of the highway so i'm like i'm like walking into the woods and i sit down and i just uh you know i just kind of just kind of weep yeah i just lose it i lost it i've never never had that before when you are face-to-face trying to actively save the life of this individual, right? I can imagine you've got adrenaline, you've got cortisol, your own epinephrine and norepinephrine pumping through you to give you the mindset of like, I care about nothing but saving this person's life. Yeah, you get tonal vision on uh, just helping this person. Like everything around you doesn't matter. Yep. So. And then to be told, so if you if you had to guess, this was, I know you just said about three years ago, but to paint a picture you're in the vehicle, like with this person trying to help them breathe. Yeah, I'm like hanging out the passenger side. Uh, I'm standing up, like outside of the car, but have the door open and uh, on that side. Like, so I guess to paint a picture of like how he was, like the it was a um, it was a cement truck who uh, who was just uh, I think it was on an on ramp. Yeah, it was on an on ramp, and this cement truck just like did not hit the brakes and rammed into this guy who ran into two other cars in front of him it was standstill traffic so he was it was pretty much this guy just got hit it was just in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah so um so his his i think it was like his um like the abdomen below is what was pinned between the stomach or the the steering wheel and the seat yeah it was a turned into like a ford explorer to like a mini cooper wow that's a big car into a baby car yeah something like that <laughs> yeah uh but um yeah so i'm just the paramedics are standing right next to me and they're like okay so they're there with you watching you do this yeah because they're doing so many different things like everyone has a job yeah. when you go to these things and that's what uh, that's what you get trained to do these guys are cutting them out this guy's doing uh helping with the breathing this guy is holding a pulse this guy is stabilizing the neck you know there's so many different things okay, going on so you were in there by yourself even though you have tunnel vision, like this is my job, yeah. but you were not by yourself. There was at least one to two other people. There's about 10 of us in that surrounding space. that car. <sighs> mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, they caught it. I went to the side. They, um, how does that feel to have to like, what's a word? How would you describe that? The thing that came to me was to be like, to bow down and be like, okay. I never thought of a like a word for what I had. That's okay. If you did it, that's just what came to mind for me is to have to literally bow out and be like, all right, screw it. I didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't even know if, like, again, I haven't been out the academy long and I'm just going over here to the side. I'm like, hey, am I allowed to? I'll let it just sit here. <laughs> yeah, I need a minute. Oh, uh, yeah. But um, they were all cleaning up, and uh, they asked me to switch over to the engine instead of the ladder. And we go back to the station, and I guess um, there's a protocol whenever they see a firefighter in distress. And uh, they call one of the uh, – they usually call it like one or two different people, but they call the EMT – or yeah, the EMS coordinator for the fire department out there and just come talk to me. So we went upstairs, had a chat with him and my captain because he was there as well. And they were pretty much just walking me through like, it's not, it's not your fault. The paramedics, they said that like it was over. I know you said life over limb, but they've been doing this a long time. If we pulled him out, there's no way he would have made it anyway. Like they can see things that you hadn't seen yet. Yeah. So there's over on that call itself there. I mean, there was over a hundred years of experience and I'm sitting there with five months yeah and you're new right so in our in my field of therapy social work this may be familiar to many in other fields teaching there's a term called burnout right and so in burnout you know we maybe not burnout's not the right word but it makes me think of like doctors right they sort of become immune to seeing some of these things and it sounds like with those paramedics and the people who had had experience on this, it wasn't as shocking to them to have to make that call. You were brand new, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, I'm ready to save some lives. And now they're telling you there is no saving this guy's life. Yeah, pretty much. I was there to save a life and I failed. Or I guess in my mind then I failed, but I did not. I just, I did everything. We did everything we could. Um, but And honestly, that call wasn't even the worst for me. Um. It was a little bit worse from one of my brothers because we learned later, like when we got back to the station and uh, the EMT coordinator was like, hey, man, do you want to go home? They're like, that's OK. And I was like, I think I want to stay here, you know. Um, all right. So at that call, um, one of my brothers, he was, uh, I guess, uh, another firefighter employee. He was there as well. And um, we f- later found out after probably about two hours after they called it. That that was his best friend's brother in that car, and he had no idea. Like, had he been on the call? Yeah, he was on that call. He wasn't. He was kind of standing back because um, you can't really have that. But so many people. But um. So he didn't see he, the I, driver necessarily. I'm sure he like got a look at him, but yeah, I don't think he like got a great look to yeah. see who it was. Yeah. So I mean, we're, this is like it's late, mid to late twenties male patient in that car and it was his like best friend's brother so everything that i i honestly felt like i was being selfish to have the feelings that you had yeah and i kind of in that in that mind in my mind at the time i was i felt like i was selfish and i was like you know i need to be here be there for him you know because he knew the guy yeah what he's about to go through feels if I'm going to compare it worse than what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And yet you can't compare those two things. How long has that 
firefighter been in the, the force? He came in the academy with me. So he's brand new too. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he dealt with that a lot. He did. I feel like he's a little bit, or he was a little bit stronger at the time than me. <laughs> More resilient, but, we would say. Strength yeah. may not be a part of it, but he had maybe different skills that you didn't have. Yeah. I think of mental. Yeah. He was, he was, he had the right mindset. After the call, I did not. Um, but we all grow because I've seen a few more things after that. And I've kind of just, just got to kind of wash it off. Otherwise, you will get true burnout. Right. You'll carry it with you. Right. That vicarious trauma that you'll continue to feel the pain and the suffering of the people that you serve. Yeah. yeah. There, you know, there was an episode of Scrubs. Um, I love that show. Yeah. Uh, where Turk, the surgeon, he was um, he was trying to do surgery on this guy. And he was like... When, uh, whenever I see, whenever I have this patient in front of me, I, I think of him as a car and I'm the mechanic. And when I get to get to work, I just do my job. I don't think about anything. But when you have family in the window watching him do surgery, he's like, now it's a human. And now I feel like I'm in a whole bunch of more, or in a whole lot more pressure. And so that's how I feel with a lot of patients. Like if we, if we have to go to a cardiac arrest and we're doing CPR on this patient, I have no problem doing CPR on these people now. But whenever, literally the day after I submitted your form, we went on this code and I'm doing CPR on this patient and the wife is just yelling at this husband next to me, like, like two inches from me holding onto like his chest. He's like, babe, please, you're supposed to take me to the beach. And I'm over here pumping on his chest. I'm like, damn it. Just please leave. I know you want to be here. I didn't say this. Right. But in your head, you're like, this is not helping. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it might be helping her. It's good. I've learned that it's good for people to see or watch um, their loved ones have CPR performed on them. Uh, that's a choice that the paramedics give them. Like, would you rather be here or would you like to walk away? Yeah. Yeah. But um, Did that individual live? Uh, no, he did not. Yeah, he passed away. Um, pretty young, too. It's pretty sad. But uh, yeah, whenever they're not there, it's perfect. But when they are, this one is just... Well, you get to deal with the hu- right, the frailties of humans, right? That that idea that you get to shut it off when there's not other human life interfering, and then now you've got to deal with the emotions of other people. Yeah, yeah. I serve quite a few people in the public service sector in my work, so I see EMS nurses, all that whole field, and I have a client who's an EMS provider, and they told me. Either they told me this or someone told them this. And so now we say it to everyone that it's not the individuals that die or that you lose that will stick with you forever. It's the family and the family's reactions that end up sticking with you. Because over time, like you said, you learn to be able to cope with death and loss of life in your job. But those reactions from people stick around. They sure do. (laughs) I um. No, that's all I got to say about that. Yeah. I'm sure you have a lot you could say and you're like, and I shall refrain. You know, I can imagine the fact that you recall the wife or partner of this individual that died, what she was literally saying to this person. And that's what stuck with you. Yeah. You really got to try to distance yourself too. Uh, Going back to that one car accident where that dude died. Yeah. I mean, I try to look him up. I try to find pictures of him and I did. And I regret doing that. I don't know why I was just so obsessed. That was my first traumatic death I ever experienced. So, I mean, I don't know. I think that makes a lot of sense. You're trying to find closure, right? Something, something about why did he die? What did I miss? You're trying to give life to a lifeless person too, Yeah. right? That happens often where 
if you look at all these even like podcasts that are out now, the true crime podcasts, right? They take over missing people that are Jane Doe's or John Doe's and they try to give them a life. You had this person that you may not have known his name at the time, but he died and you didn't save him. And now you're trying to give him a life. Like, who was this person? Yeah. I just want to learn, like, who who have I failed? And this was at the time when I thought I failed. Yeah. But that's just the job. How did you reframe that? How are you, how'd you get to this place where you're able to say, you know, three years ago, I felt like I failed them, but I don't feel that way now. The brotherhood. Because when they get back to the station, like, everyone saw how distressed I was or distraught. And um, they... They most of these guys, they're not all like this macho, like these, crying is for babies. Yeah, they they want to know how you're doing. They want to make sure you're good to go. Good. And they're like, man, hey, Fanto, how you doing, man? I'm like, man, this sucks. Yeah, not great, buddy. Not great. <laughs> but uh, talking to people is very helpful. I know. Um, let me see. Don't quote me on the facts, but there's a difference between World War One and World War Two PTSD. <laughs> oh, I would. I don't think we need to quote you to know that that's a fact. Uh, so I think it was in uh, World War One. There was less PTSD, and that was because when they were coming back from overseas, they were on boats, so they were forced to talk to each other. During World War Two, they were flying. There wasn't that much time to talk about everything they saw. Yeah. Which brought more PTSD up there. Yeah. No so, reintegration, right? When you're on a boat for three months, you get to settle, let the emotions settle, have your people with you, cope, deal with it. When you're on a plane that takes 12 hours to get back and then you're thr- thrust back into the world, you're like, here you go. Bye. Have a great day. Yeah. So they always say talking is the way to go. The fire department I work for, they, uh, they have a uh, team that, like together, the volunteers, that uh, their phone number is always open. So like... If you never needed to talk to anybody about... How do you get on that list? Of volunteers? Yeah. Um, I mean, you got to be a part of the association. That's really and, cool. And, uh, I mean, you can apply or just even just give them your number. Like, hey, I'm available to talk to anyone. If you can just put my number up there. That's so awesome. But they're literally anything. If you just want to talk about what you're doing that day or if, or if you're just dealing with a death in the family or on the call or... Just literally anything, just someone to talk to, they're there. That's amazing. And these are people who maybe aren't active firefighters. Uh, most of them are. They are, okay. And they're yeah. just like, it makes me think of something like AA, right? They're like mentors or sponsors in a way that are available at these other times to talk about it. Pretty much. That's so neat. That's amazing to know that that exists and that there's, there might be some of this and you, of course, would know because you're there and you identify as a male. It sounds like for you... What we would think as outsiders of that area of law enforcement, public service, that toxic masculinity doesn't hold as big of a space at your job. Right. So, I mean, there's not that much there. There's definitely a few of them hanging around. And, I mean, just kind (laughs) of, all right, bro. But, um, I mean, it's not that bad. That's great. Well, the fact that they comforted you and recognized that what you were going through was appropriate and reasonable, given that that was your first traumatic death in the field. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they saw it. I'm sure they've experienced it and knew they needed to help it. So Yeah, to keep you around, right? Because if they aren't there to support you, the chances of you leaving sooner are higher. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people go out on PTSD all the time. And that's that doesn't shock me, right? That working in our public service sector and what you see, if you don't get the proper support, you need to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were saying before that 
you felt like you didn't deserve or that you shouldn't be as upset as you were when you saw your coworker and what he was about to go through because he was closer to the situation. Do you get a sense that comparative suffering is what we call that is around and in your world of firefighting or does everyone be like, no, it doesn't matter. Like you're allowed to be upset. Um, yeah. Uh, the latter. Yeah. That people are allowed to be upset. Yeah. I mean, you can be upset anytime you want. I mean, just talk. Just they, talk. they just ask that you talk. I mean, nobody ever wants to say, Hey man, don't, don't bring that up. <laughs> they encourage it. That's what we want to hear. Y'all hear that? It's another male perspective over here saying that you need to talk and men are allowed to have emotions and men are allowed to be sad and upset about someone that died, even if you didn't know them. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely, I definitely felt sad for a few of these families. I mean, you can't, you can't just sit there and like laugh. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're dead. That'd be so awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Dre, tell us a little bit about, you know, so I heard you saying talking has been really helpful and that you seem to be able to handle the death or traumatic calls easier. So how are you doing today with your job? Great. Yeah. I've seen a lot more things since that first call. Um, and I kind of just like, I wouldn't say put it in the back of my mind, but I mean, it kind of just goes in one year and out the other with a, with a little lingering a little yeah. taste but uh because i do think about some of these calls every once in a while but they they never hit me as hard as that first one yeah well so. it's the first time right if it's Brene brown calls them effing first times so we all have a first time for almost everything and when it comes to traumatic experiences the first one's gonna hit pretty hard mm -hmm. right and there's no getting around that no. nothing the academy taught you it sounds like could have prepared you for that no all they did was tell us about how we're not going to be able to prepare you for that. And that's a quote. They're like, hey, you're going to see this and we can't help you until it happens. Yep. So just be prepared to not know what the hell you're doing. Yep. Yep. And what you're going to feel, you know, maybe someone who'd experienced their own personal death or something from a previous quote unquote life right before they got into the academy could have some more skills or resilience, but that doesn't mean that they're prepared for what they're going to see. No. Yeah, I mean, so some of my, like, some of the firefighters we hang out with, like, outside of work, I know the last time we all hung out, the, I mean, just kind of brought up war stories. So, I mean, when I mean by war stories, I mean, that, like, things we've seen in the fire department. Right. We just talk about it. I know I brought up the, this exact same story to them. And they're like, yeah, I remember I was there, too. And then you'd bring up something they saw. I mean, like, there's a, there's so many different things that you'll see. Most of the stories are never the same. No. If you had to pick a word to describe that feeling of what that's like to share these stories, what is that? Um, comforting. Yeah. You're not alone. No. And how you feel about them, you're not alone in. Nope. Right? Other people have the exact feelings at least similar ones to what you felt and so you may feel weird initially or feel bad like why am I feeling this way that that person has it worse than me but now you're like oh okay everybody oh, feels this way everyone does yeah even well, those machos guys those toxic masculinity guys they still have those feelings in there oh they definitely do yeah they just try to hide it mm -hmm. silly men silly silly men men have feelings too <laughs> What are you doing now and what have you learned to do 
to cope with the hardships of your job. So for the less like serious stuff, I mean, we'll go back to the station, just talk it out and just laugh about it and joke around. So humor. Yes. Humor is one way to get through it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've just kind of seen a few things too many times to just kind of like put that pressure on me when I'm outside of work. I don't want, I don't need that stress. I've already kind of like put it out now. I know some people can't really handle it as much as others and they end up not staying as long as they can, but that's not their fault. Yeah. But I've kind of learned to deal with it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's not an answer you're looking for because there's not a, a thing I do to deal with it. It's just I've dealt with it. Yeah. You mentioned something about like leaving work at work, so to speak. Do you like on your commute? Is that that time where you're able to just like leave whatever happened at the station at the station or on your calls before you get home? Oh, yeah. Whenever I'm on my way home, I turn the music up and just jam out. There you go. Yeah. yeah. As soon as I leave that station, unless I have to do something the next day I'm, or they text me, I'm I'm done with the fire department. Yeah. You're able to leave work yeah. at work. Yeah. Is your field, at least the specific areas field supportive of that? Like they're not texting you on your day off about random work stuff. They leave you to be on your days off. No, the only time they're ever texting you uh, is if they need uh, personnel for callback. Okay. Yep. So, I mean, they don't say, hey man, or I mean, you might have a few guys at your station be like, hey, uh, have you seen this tool? You know, it's just something missing, but it's not like, hey man, this call, da, 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 da. No. Yeah. So they respect your time off. Yeah. That's great. That's so important, right? Work-life balance. Yep. Is that something that you would stress is important for this job? Yes. Yeah. I would uh, I would say. There's a lot of different uh, reports out there. If, there's a lot of different kind of shifts throughout the U.S. And ours is on a nine-day cycle. You work a day off a day, work a day off a day, work a day, and then you're off for four days. Other departments have like you work 48 hours you're, and then you leave for 96. Um, there's a lot of different types of schedules. But... I've learned that that day in between your 24-hour shifts you need. I've, you can do your callback, do that overtime for and work 48 hours in a row. But when you go home on, after that 48th hour, you're like, done. Yeah. But So that 24-hour break in between shifts works. It's very nice to have. Yeah. It sounds like that's something you've learned is necessary for you to be able to do good work. Yeah. And to be the best you. Yeah. Have you changed any of your habits since you started being a firefighter? Stop smoking. Yay. <laughs> Big snap. So no smoking. Anything else? Have you uh, like, have you noticed that you need a certain amount of sleep for you to be able to do your job really well? Do you change anything else? So right out the academy when I was like much better, like shape because you're running <laughs> five miles a day. I mean, um, we'd go out the night before and just like party and then go back to work. And that was, that was doable for a little bit. But nowadays, I know it's only been four years or three years. But once you hit that thirty mark, it's like, oh my god, I'm going to bed. <laughs> Hangovers at 10. hit real early. Hit <laughs> going to bed real at different at thirty. And uh, y'all are gonna leave me alone. I know it's Friday night, but I got work tomorrow. <laughs> yes, no, I'm right there with you, and I don't work on Saturdays. I'm like goodbye, I'm going to sleep. Yes, okay, so sleep. Yeah. That's a big one. What else? I met, heard you say more or less that spending time away from work is very important for you. What are you doing in that free time away from work? I'm going to my other work. <laughs> yes. So you work at the flower shop. Yeah. That's like the like most stress-free job I've ever had besides Mother's Day and Valentine's Day. <laughs> other than that, I mean, it's pretty chill. I mean, you're talking to people, just need some flowers, you know? Yeah. It's a fun job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got a fun side gig 
which you enjoy and you like the people you worked with. You've worked there for a long time. Yeah. You get good sleep. We've stopped smoking. Hallelujah. This is a PSA for everyone to stop smoking cigarettes. <laughs> this is your sign. If you need a sign, it's right here. What else? Hanging out outside. Okay. Grilling. I mean, I do love grilling. I mean, good partner. I think if you have a good partner who can support you and everything that you do and all the stress that you go through, you can, uh, I mean, you got it made. Yeah. So this is a shout out to Karen. So girl. Love you. We love Karen. Well, good. You know, Dre, I can say because I know you and I've gotten to watch you grow that I think you have really found your calling, if we're going to call it that. And you, you know, I remember the college days of, like you said, us partying and going out and being really ratchet and doing ridiculous things and being each other's wing people at bars. And then now to see you be a full-time firefighter and have this amazing partner, it's been really cool and like an honor and a blessing to be a part of your life and to get to call you my friend. Yeah. If I, uh, if you would have, uh, if we were to take a time machine and go back to the first day we met, where whether it be at that pool or the White House, um, I would not be able to tell you that in 2021, what the hell I'd be doing. No. Yeah, I highly doubt either one of us would have pictured this. No. No. I never thought to be on your couch talking into a microphone. Right? <laughs> in my lovely pod, pod loft? Yes. Has there been... Or would you be willing to share any words of advice, any words that you've chosen to live by that you carry with you? I mean, what I do is just do me. And I know that's cliche as shit, but eh. whenever someone's like, hey, man, can we come do this? I'm like, no, nah, I can't. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me. I'm, whether, it goes, I'm, ugh, whether I'm just going to be drinking on my back porch or playing my fucking PlayStation, I, 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 that's my escape. And I'm going to go do me. I don't really care to go uh, to the bars anymore. What? Timestamp that. Shit. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and quote you on that in like 30 years. Oh, shit. <laughs> what I mean by that is like, I don't, I don't want, let me, let me rephrase bars and change Spur? it to clubs. There you go. Yes. <laughs> I, I do love bars. I don't, I, I don't really enjoy going to them as much as I used to, but because. Uh, I mean, it's so much cheaper to drink at home. Yeah. Just invite your friends over for a grill out. It's so much better than going to a bar. Yeah. <laughs> get some barbecue. Get some hot dogs. Yes. 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 Have a fire pit. Yes. Love it. Love it. Uh, so just do you. Just and it sounds like you. you've grown into doing you more over the last like three, four years. Yeah. I know a lot of it has to do with like being in a relationship because doing you is doing it, doing you with your partner. Um. I mean, you could probably say since uh, you've been dating that you don't really hang out with your friends as much as you used to. Uh, I think that's true for almost everyone. Yeah. And I think the, I think people have a hard time with it, but it's like, you know, whenever you get into your relationship, you'll be the same way. Yeah. Well, you know, like you said, it's not that it, it is that you're not hanging out with your friends as often per se, maybe, but you're investing in a life partner right that yeah. person is also a friend and an important person to you so you're just shifting your time and energy around and you reprioritize what matters to you yeah yeah and it sounds like for you the last three four years have really done that for you yeah yeah and we love karen so we're really glad that that's the life partner you chose <laughs> yeah i think uh i think it's gonna be uh 
Great life. Yeah, we're excited for the wedding, September 2021. It's going to be a party. Yeah, it's going to be a fun party. (laughs) Any last words of advice, anything about your job, anything you want to say that you felt like we missed? You know, I'm just so grateful that you felt like you could share. One, your job supports you sharing, so thank you. We're very grateful that these systems are in place to support people in positions like yourselves talking about what you see every day. Yeah, um, I mean, you have your HIPAA law, so there's no, obviously I can't like tell you names or specific things, but I mean, for people who are interested in joining the fire department, just don't give up. Because I, I know a few of these guys that were in my academy, they applied four or five times before they finally got accepted. Uh, if that's truly what you want to do, I mean, don't give up. Yeah. So, uh, and don't let, uh, don't let, um, like bad calls get, get, get under your skin. Just talk to someone. Because you're not alone, and more than likely, it's not your fault, right? It's 99% of the time not your fault. And even like if that 0.001%, humans make mistakes, we're human. They do. We can't fix everything. No. No. If you make a little mistake, I mean, yeah, what you said. Yeah. Well, and and then the mistakes we make, we learn from, right? We grow and we learn from them and we get better. Definitely. Right. If we do let our mistakes bring us down, well, this world would look very different. Yes. Well, Dre, thank you so much for being willing to come on and share what you did and to further talk about what you already spent a lot of time talking about. Definitely. I'm so glad to be a part of this. Yeah. Yeah, very excited. I'm glad our drunken conversation of me being on your podcast worked out. Yes, I am too. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And we'll touch base again in a couple months to see how that wedding went. Sweet. Yes. Thanks, Dre. Yeah. Thank you for listening to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts and follow us on social media at I've been better dot pod.